Greetings to all. This is Abhivadan from Global Law Assembly. And this is the episode, an episode of Global Hint, Season 3. I would like to introduce the speaker who we have with us. Uh, and uh, as we have this session, this session is in association with Covents, a defense security firm. And for the sake of it, uh, Covents is organizing an interesting conference entitled Counter-Export 2022. So let me introduce the speaker and then we can go ahead for a very interesting discussion on the geopolitics around Web2 and Web3 technologies, especially blockchain technologies. So uh, I welcome Tony Petrukula, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. He is the president of Agile Blue. He is very well experienced in disruptive technologies, especially blockchain. And if I would have to very happily elaborate about Agile Blue, it is um, a SOC as a service platform that's proven to detect cyber threats faster and more accurately across the entire digital infrastructure and cloud. So, uh, very frankly, Tony uh, started his job as an Apple engineer in the 1990s, and then he started his own firm, and then things went down. So, um, welcome, Tony, to Global Hint, and it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Certainly. So uh, my first question is about your experience in this field and your interest behind forming up this organization and how have your aspirations been satisfied and uh, uh, what do you see further as things go on? So if you would like, would be very happy to uh, elaborate about Agile Blue, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, um, you know, cybersecurity is a problem for everyone, right? companies, individuals, every single person on earth. So um, we started Agile Blue because, you know, there's only so many ways to stop or protect or prevent. And it seems like even though there's great technologies out there, there's still uh, there's still breaches. People still still get hurt. So our company, as a as what's and like you said, an SOC as a service, a security operations center as a service, what we do is we detect threats before there's an actual breach. So our customers, the companies who rely on us can move faster, can understand that there's a potential cyber attack and they can mitigate um, you know, the risk. So when you look at Agile Blue, we're monitoring our customers' entire digital infrastructure strictly uh, to mitigate their cyber risk. And, um, and that's what we do as a company and our whole goal is to create is, is to hopefully make our customers uh, a little bit more secure and safer as they attempt to do business globally. That's really interesting to start with, I would say, for this interview. So, uh, so let's talk about artificial intelligence and the cyber threats which are associated with it. Um, Normally, what happens is whenever we study about AI, we see that, of course, there's a hype about certain kinds of quote-unquote AI technologies. Mm -hmm. But, of course, there are certain technologies attributing to computational intelligence or AI, as we call it, because, of course, there are categories within it. Uh, of course, there are certain risks which come in. And uh, post the first and second waves, because most countries have gone through the first and second waves of the COVID pandemic, uh, the whole cybersecurity situation has, of course, evolved in many ways. We see that a vulnerability itself drives cybersecurity issues. We know why, cybercrimes and so, so forth. Uh, so amidst this particular situation of COVID, 
many people claim that an acceleration in the uh, in the very realm of technological advancement is happening so in that regard how do you see uh, uh, cyber threats uh, basically being promulgated or being proliferated by artificial intelligence and how should we understand certain basic aspects and trends which are emerging you know it's funny you hit the nail on the head by saying when you see companies say it's all based on ai and they're doing artificial intelligence sometimes a lot of that is marketing it sounds good it may make make the valuation of their company go higher a lot of it is machine learning and that's what my company does we do a lot of machine learning because at the end of the day we're looking for the anomalous behavior of a device of a human being of an action that just doesn't normally happen and if you if you look at the statistics and look at the data the average person or machine meaning a server or a workstation you kind of do the same stuff every day of the week with very little variance you know what i mean now when covid hit and people started working from home or from different places that obviously brought in some some complexities but i think the world was already going through a little bit of a more remote workforce in a lot of areas as well so i don't know if that if that tremendously moved things i think when you look at ai and cybersecurity there's two big plays one you definitely see a lot more um and i think you're going to see a lot more this year into 2023 of uh hackers using ai maybe using it more for deep fakes right so you think about deep fakes and how artificial intelligence can maybe ask someone uh to move money from one account to another thinking it might be the president of the company or the cfo of a company and it's not right it's a deep fake uh whether it's a video a voicemail whatever it might be um and i think you're going to see more and more of that proliferate and that is ai and that stuff's scary because uh you're creating a fake out of something and we've all seen the deep fakes with celebrities and people playing with that that's kind of harmless well when it starts moving money and things like that that could be pretty harmful the second piece is using artificial intelligence for shutting you know using that technology when a um an application senses it could be breached whether this is a server or whatever it's to automatically isolate and shut that machine down now that sounds great that sounds great to not have human intervention but if there's a lot of false positives or if that intelligence has has tricked the machines now you could see a lot of downtime right if you're shutting down systems and machines and who knows what else and it's false and then it takes time to get it going we could see disruptions um to operations supply chains things like that and we you know the whole world's going through a supply chain issue right now it would be terrible to introduce another complexity right so i'm a huge tech guy obviously my goal is to keep technology secure for our clients as well but the bad guys want to do things with it to make it not perform that way so we have a lot of challenges ahead of us but we want to continue to advance so you love ai you love blockchain you love cyber technology but understand there's got to be limits to everything that's really interesting and so let's get on uh uh i think since you mentioned deep fake my next question is actually related to the very uh, i would say uh, the the role the, the realm of digital technologies with respect to creativity and arts and of course music and other fields which are attributed because deep fake is just one thing which we see but even ai and other technologies are being used to cause 
So, of course, there are intellectual property issues, which are, of course, existent, economic and others. But apart from that, we see that uh, as far as the rise of NFTs is concerned, which is non-fungible tokens, uh, people assume that, of course, it's happening a lot in America. It ha it's happening a lot in Japan. It's happening a lot in, of course, other countries. I'm not sure about China and others, but at least these countries, I'm sure that, of course, the Anglo countries, such as America, UK, South Korea, Japan, these countries, of course, are doing it. Uh, of course, people are interested in NFTs. Do we really potentially see the material value being coming up because people claim that NFTs can be used or let's say the cryptocurrency technology, the blockchain detect, which is DLT, can be used for ensuring certain security options available for maybe, I don't know, using a car or maybe other options as we see certain developments coming up. But of course, uh, it's it depends on what kind of blockchain it is, whether it's a public blockchain or private blockchain. So how do you see the limit of a blockchain technology as far as security infrastructure is concerned and uh, how should how should be that be approached yeah well it's it's a great question um i obviously am a, a big proponent of blockchain um and and needless to say one of of specific cryptocurrencies um especially the ones that provide more of a rails platform than 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 anything else and nfts are intriguing i will tell you i don't own any F nfts Primarily because every time I go to buy one, I get beat out in the auction. Maybe I'm just cheap. I don't know, but I, I can't. I can't get a hold of what I want. Um, one of my favorite um, writers, Ben Mesrick, uh, who wrote um, *Accidental Billionaire* and, and 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 all those great books, he just recently launched some NFTs too that are very interesting. And I think blockchain, you know, obviously because of its foundation, it's immutable, um, especially on the obviously on the public uh, blockchain. Um, and even though it provides that, you know, um, you know, the ability to be anonymous, it does obviously provide the ability to hopefully not dupe it. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think um, NFTs bring to the table is taking celebrity and art and, and all those great things and making them digitized, uh, putting them on the blockchain to understand you own a specific thing. Um, and nobody else and nobody else owns that. Now, like anything else, and, and you know this as well as I do, when it comes to technology, there's the good people and there's a lot of us. And then there's the bad people and there's they're, they're super smart and they're hard workers and, and they look to break these things down. So I do think, you know, there's always going to be something with deep fakes, with artificial intelligence that's going to maneuver into these into these platforms. Now, I will say, you know, when, when people think of cryptocurrency, um, and, and NFTs are obviously related to cryptocurrency and how they're built and how they're how they're stored and all those great things. I mean, uh, theoretically, um, it, it's what, whatever's been transacted thus far has held pretty well. Doesn't mean people didn't break into an exchange and steal things. We've seen that happen. But the um, the actual um, trading of it, the actual uh, purchases of it, the actual transactions have all seemed to go pretty well. So I do think that technology is holding and I think it's 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 promises are there. It doesn't mean something won't come and disrupt it and I think that's you know if you're if you're into technology everything you've seen has been disrupted. So why wouldn't this in some regard? And I think this adds up to also the question of how our stakeholders and users understand the genealogy of technology, right? Because I think uh, that happens to lawyers also. 
they also debate whether okay they understand technology or not but of course that's itself it's interesting which is itself i mean i think we can have a long discussion on this so let's get it short and go ahead so yeah. um <laughs> so uh my next question is much about um understanding the sustainability of uh the cybertech infrastructure in the sense uh, cybersecond infrastructure in the sense that developing countries and of course their entities will try to budget up and get their things done but when it comes to the global south countries such as developing and underdeveloped and so so forth their situation is something which is quite precarious and uh, we see that uh, the cyber threats that they face and of course due to the covid pandemic and the waves uh, we have seen that as i said the vulnerability element comes here in and that actually hits them pretty hard so uh, how has it, how how should we understand combating challenges wherein it helps people during times of medical or humanitarian assistance or any kind of assistance for that matter but the risks which are concerned with are properly tackled with because of course uh, there are actors as you uh, made the classification of good or bad i mean then we can also classify the kind of hackers we they generally classify mm -hmm. so in that case uh, of course there can be transnational or transnational cooperation on cybersec we don't know but yes if it's possible how should we see this avenue per se yeah you know i recently hosted in in december a a um, an event on blockchain and one of the companies was doing some very interesting things they they were actually hired to do uh, specific to covid the vaccine rollout and the stamps of when people receive their vaccines and not in the united states or not in the the eu but in africa and moving into other areas of asia that are um you know underdeveloped that aren't as wealthy and um uh, we're able to bring um a tech a blockchain technology to assist in the vaccination efforts in the record keeping efforts which are which are super important right now there's another um use case for and we just got done talking about blockchain and crypto and those and you think about those same areas there's one thing they also share and that is they're underbanked right they don't have lots of money they're underbanked they could live paycheck to, to paycheck type thing and they don't necessarily bank somewhere that allows easily uh you know movement of money um uh, when they when they need to do it so when you look at some of these new platforms coming into into bear um especially the ones that are based on you know fintech and based on these new rails applications out of out of the crypto and block blockchain space i think it's going to give the underbanked it's going to give the underdeveloped um i'm not saying it's going to you know bring them up equal to where everybody else is but i think it's going to give them the ability to start growing their lives and living their lives because they don't have to go on to the traditional networks right you know your visa mastercards and your banking systems and things like that uh i think these crypto rails uh you know whatever they might be using things like ethereum or solana especially as they continue to grow are going to give these these folks the ability to do that so i think that is extraordinarily interesting because when they get hit you know if they get hacked their identity from healthcare or some money you know that could be just devastating life changing because when you don't have a lot and you lose some uh that's devastating in america no one wants to lose anything but when you do lose something you can probably get it back right and figure out a way to get it back relatively quickly 
So it's definitely a different le le level. I do think these new technologies hopefully start shrinking the gap we see with some of the underdeveloped countries uh, throughout the world. I would say that's a really interesting point made about, <clears throat> of course, equality is a different issue altogether. It's an economic issue and other things. But of course, uh, in at least helping people, I think therein lies a larger thing. So um, one thing which emerges is that I'm taking the example of India now specifically for fun. So let's say that in India, the technologies like UPI literally emerged and ensured that the fintech industry itself flourishes so that people can pay, people can transact. Uh, uh, the whole process goes in a much, much suave way, I would say. So uh, one thing which comes in is that when it comes to these kind of technology services or technology products, there's, uh, what, we, what we have seen in India, this is my observation and also observation of certain researchers in India, is that the people who are called the lower middle class or who are, you know, near BPL, which is below poverty line and so, so forth, they're very much, uh, I would say, skillful to understand these technologies and basically bear the fruits of them, basically use them and mobilize. So I think in, in this domain, it's particularly possible. So... One thing which we generally see in the Global South countries is that, okay, the, like the AI hype, which we talked about in the beginning, there's a lot of cybersec hype also, which is, you know, okay, this is a common cybersec threat, like basic phishing or basic uh, uh, fooling around people and all of that through emails and other things, like very, very, very normal stuff, not the high level stuff, but the very normal stuff. But of course, populations would like to have something called dynamic awareness, whereas to say, okay, you just can't st be stuck at certain levels of awareness for the sake of it, just because it is hyped like that, because technologies are keep advancing. And a citizen participation, citizen participation then goes pretty well, but actually it happens in that way. So how do you see this uh, thing that since certain frugal technologies and non-frugal technologies, disruptive tech like UPI and so, so forth, are actually accessible and people are able to understand it and mobilize themselves to basically become upskilled to use it, can it be done in also in the case of advanced cyber cyber uh, cybersec operations and not operations? Let's say let's say services. Operations does not come here. Services. So does it? Is it possible because they are the most vulnerable and they can also get the most vulnerable despite sure. the fact that. So I took the example of India because it's very interesting because financial inclusion and digital inclusion has happened very rapidly, and of course it will happen more. And of course, it will happen that maybe in future taxation wise, uh, the organized sector in India will grow. So in that sense, how do you see? Well, and then also with India, and, and, and I've been going to India for a number of years through business, and you can check me where, where my statistics are wrong. You know, India's got a young population, and I think right. becomes the population center of the world, correct? By like 2028 or something like that, give or take a couple of years off that, whatever, 2030, something like that. So <laughs> India, India has young, smart, tech-savvy people who, who tend to push the envelope to move, and I, and I do think you're going to see them taking advantages of these of these technologies, which also then, because of that growth, because of that that popularity, not only puts you in in the crosshairs of potential hackers, but probably more in the potential of nation state hackers, where you know the average mid-sized business in wherever you are is probably not being picked on by a nation state hacker, right? Um, those guys are are working on the big stuff. Well, when you see countries like India growing and, you know, with especially with geopolitical concerns, the more you see that type of growth, especially infrastructure wise, financial, healthcare, 
um, supply chain. Um, now you could see how a nation state could, uh, you know, target, um, you know, areas, um, you know, like, um, you know, like India. And, you know, the thing about India is India, and again, I've been coming to Bangalore since, since 2006, um, uh, you know, is, is a giant that sometimes stops itself. You know, the one thing I, I always see about India is so much potential, so much, much growth, amazing people, great culture. And then when you see some of the restrictions and regulations sometimes put on, it, it slows things down, right, a little bit. Uh, well, that's my perspective from being an outsider, right? Um, you know, because I think if you if you unleashed India, uh, India would be unleashed, and I think it would be pretty pretty special. Um, and you know, you, you, tremendous growth of GDP and different things like that. So you know, look, these technologies, there's no doubt they bring benefit um, to uh, especially the Indian society, no matter where you where you lie. Um, I think it lifts um, you know lifts folks that are that 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 are in poverty. The thing that that needs to be uh, understood, though, is where do regulations come in and how does that maybe stifle some of that? Uh, because you tend to see that um, and it depends, you know, different parts of the world see different types of regulations. And you're seeing that right now in, in South America. Right. I mean, look at El Salvador just, you know, is now recognizing Bitcoin as a actual um, acceptable currency. Um, and that came from the top. Right. That's that came from the top of the government, you know, from the president on down. So. Um, you're starting to see more and more of those types of decentralized things. And then other places are, ban you know, banning those types of technologies. So, you know, you know, regulation plays a huge part of where that goes. Indeed. And I think uh, this whole challenge will uh, anyways grow. And I'm really delighted to know that you have visited India so many times and you've connected with the stakeholders. Really wish that, you know, the COVID situation betters and you keep traveling to yeah. our country. That would be really amazing. And maybe we can meet also. So uh, to conclude this uh, interview, I have a question since we discussed about India. Uh, <clears throat> it's about uh, two things first. So for, first, it's about, uh, to, so the last question is two parts. First, it's about the kind of uh, skillful population which actually can contribute to CyberSec itself because there are hackers and we, we, can, we call them white hat hackers particularly. And of course, there are developers and other people and they can actually pretty well contribute to the CyberSec industry in many ways, legally. And of course, when I say legally, I meant not in that unlegal legal sense, but I meant, I meant in as for the legal departments Sure. or for the courts, or basically the authorities. And of course, for the private actors, wherever. That is one question that I have to conclude. And the second question is, uh, what are your uh, uh, expectations from Counter Expo 2022, organized by Coven's? And uh, uh, how do you see it? And yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, from the, from the legal perspective and the data, look, data is, is obviously every company's lifeblood, right? Um, when data is stolen, that's what has value. If someone disrupts operations, I mean, obviously that's terrible and it's, it costs money. It could even cost jobs, but it doesn't necessarily enrich the people doing that. It's the data. And if you think about law, you think about legal, you think about the data that is stored there. It is the most precious, confidential lifeblood of, an, of a person or an organization. And that's what does uh, illicit ransom. And that's what does make people lots of money, or it can be embarrassing, right? It can be embarrassing for the wrong data to get out about the wrong company, the wrong business, so on and so forth. So you put all that together 
and mining that data is important. India has got a tremendous technology population, um, uh, fantastic development, uh, uh, brains, uh, and the way that, that it's organized and the good can go towards protecting data and not just using things like, you know, cybersecurity you see now, but really making sure data uh, is segmented. There's multi-layer levels because if data is, is, is kept uh, secure, you're probably going to stay ahead of the hackers. And if they just disrupt some things, that's okay. If they get to the data, that's when it's the game changer. So, so data is critical, especially in law and legal. Uh, I don't know anybody who has more data than, than, than legal. Um, and legal leads to financial. Legal leads to healthcare. You know, you can actually argue legal could be the epicenter of just about every industry. So there's so much data to protect. And when you think about that, that data, uh, it's you're actually taking the confidence of your clients that you're going to protect that data. And that's that's key. Right. So um, I think that's something really important when it comes to the uh, the Covents um, event. We're looking tremendously forward to it. I mean, look, you're bringing together folks who are trying to make a difference in protecting people around the world physically, uh, digitally, right? Cybersecurity, physical security, the entire apparatus being at this show. I just wish it was in person. I would love, I would love to attend. I would love to physically be there and meet some of these other amazing people. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen in 2022. It might not even happen in 2023. I hope it does, but we'll see. Um, you know, all these shows are being canceled these days or attendance is tremendously low. Um, the United States just had CES last week, and I think attendance was down tremendously, 50%, six, whatever it was. It was pretty big. Um, so the, the point is, I think the show is going to be great. Uh, I think it's always going to be off a tad just because it's virtual. But if you think about bringing together the physical security and the digital security together in one group setting, talking about governments, talking about mission critical businesses, uh, tremendously critical supply chains and things like that. That expo is going to have some tremendous speakers, and I think it is going to be worth everyone, everyone's time to join and see what everybody's doing to keep uh, keep things secure. Indeed. And with this, we conclude this interview session. It was certainly a pleasure to have Tony on board for this uh, short session, and we really wish that of viewers who being watched this and so so forth, they actually visit the conference website at conference.covins.com and they watch the panel discussions and maybe can attend the exhibition and so, so forth. So with this, we end this episode of Global Hint. It was a pleasure to host our speaker and we will come up with more discussions and panels for Global Hint by Internationalism. So till then, 